0: listeners, Shelly here. Translating ADHD is on summer break. New episodes will resume on August 23rd. In the meantime, Cam and I have handpicked some of our favorite episodes to rebroadcast. If you're new to the show, these episodes are a great place to begin. If you're a longtime listener, we hope you'll enjoy revisiting these episodes and the key concepts they contain. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on August 23rd. Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Last week, we got into tasks and activation for tasks, and we talked about prioritizing the four quadrants, why these things can be a challenge for us, and Cam gave a great tool to sort of evaluate those tasks that you aren't getting to, even though they're important. Today, we're going to continue that conversation and bring in the element of time. We've been teasing talking about time on this podcast for a lot of episodes now, and we're finally doing it. We're talking Uh, about
1: time. It's like the biggest teaser, I think, of all time. (laughs) Us talking, yes, we're going to get to that. We'll get to time when we have time. And now we have time to talk about time. And now we have time. And oh boy, you know, when you think about time, there's just so much there. Going back to last week, we talked about sort of, gauging these different levels around a task, this sort of uh, the the Q2, right? The quadrant two important, not urgent type task that matters really only to you, right? And we had these sort of uh, six different levels. And Shelly, yesterday I was out riding on my mountain bike and I'm like, you know, oh, wait, there's a seventh, right? And the, the, the listener might be thinking, ah, you guys, are you kidding me? You're, there's a seventh? We're just, it's not that we're making this stuff up. It's that you're in the kitchen with us as we're cooking and thinking about this stuff that's always been there, right? But let me just go ahead and review those six things. I'm going to add a seventh. Um, so there was level of interest, level of ease, level of urgency, and that's really related to time and what we're going to be talking about today, uh, level of fun, level of uh, relevance or importance. Right, that's that, and that's a quadrant two. Uh, how important it is, level of accountability, and I, we talk about accountability in the sense of the structures that are in place uh, outside yourself, right? Others who have a vested interest, expectations. Are there consequences? Are there rewards that, that go with that? And then I think, along with the level of ease and complexity, we have to look at an emotional element right? Is there an emotional load that's associated with this task? There's some kind of emotional thing that you haven't really uh, confronted, um, dealt with. It could be um, manifesting in the way of some some kind of anxiety around this or some feelings that are haven't been uh, resolved. And so yeah. I think that that's another element to consider is there's some kind of uh, an emotional element there at play. So, you ready to dig into time? I'm ready. Yeah, and, and as I think today, we're going to really be thinking about time with respect to these tasks that tend to sit and, and don't move, right? That they have a, a low level of urgency and you can't move them. So, these other areas, we can, we can generate more interest, right? We can generate more accountability. We can generate more fun. Um, It's really hard to generate urgency, and so we can do that. I think that that's a way that many of my clients have found creative ways to get things done is to generate urgency or a sense of urgency in order to utilize that ability to respond, but I think that that works only to a degree, and we have to look at time. Uh, we're gonna look at time, time and time again in this podcast because it's so relevant with respect to living effectively with ADHD. And so today we're really going to look at just time as it uh, relates to getting things done. Is that fair enough, Shelley?
0: Absolutely. Time is a massive topic, and it just like anything else, time, and the challenges it causes changes depending upon the problem at hand depending upon your lunch counter symptoms and what's showing up there right, right? depending upon your individual causation and depending upon how you experience time because just like everything else with ADHD you can't really generalize the experiences with time we experience time differently, but the ways in which that manifests is different from person to person.
1: Right. You and I were just speaking about how uh, open time between two appointments. Uh, your experience is different from my experience.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And we'll get into that. And so a couple distinctions. One is there is time in itself. This process that marches forward and we have no control over it. right? recognizing that there's time and then there's our perception of time. And it's important to, to see that difference. And there's so many different factors that can impact or influence our perception of time. I think that we were talking about kind of our states of focus and how that can impact our sense of time, right? Our environment can impact our perception of time and how we're showing up in that environment. So if we have a high level of interest, if we're engaged, if we've lit the rocket and we're full in hyper-focus and, uh, crushing things, well, time typically flies by, right? The passage of time is very quick and you're in there for four hours. And all of a sudden it's like, it's dark out and you haven't eaten a meal. And it's sort of like, wow, where'd all that time go? Versus, let's say, o- often the, the opposite of hyperfocus is, would be a hypo-focus or disengaged, uh, not interested, and time can just absolutely creep along, sort of sitting in, in a class and just waiting, you know, watching the clock. Time can absolutely creep.
0: Yeah, this... Um... Expansion or compression of time is absolutely Ooh. fascinating to me. And even though I know a lot about it and I coach clients around it every day, I still find myself caught off guard by time sometimes and by oh, yeah. just how much it can accelerate or deaccelerate in different situations.
1: Right. There's a term that's very popular out there, and the term is time blindness. It has a certain ring to it. It does explain kind of our experience with time at times. I like to say that we we actually have a very dynamic interpretation of time, which manifests in it what looks like time blindness. But time blindness to me is that there's no concept of time. And, and I don't see that at all with my clients. I see that there's different interpretations of time given the circumstances right given the environment given how we're showing up right if we are locked and engaged and things are happening time passes differently uh, than otherwise so there's one thing that's a time blindness was a, a is a term that russell barkley introduced several years ago you know so I think today the opportunity is to really look at and start to appreciate your own experience with time. And and we'll dig in there. I I think we can start with going back to uh, causation, right? A couple of things we can agree on, right? One is that time is a process. And if you think about our cause and effect model, right? Back over to causation, we have a hard time constructing and interpreting processes and structures. So if you think about things that fall in the category of a process or a structure, rules, expectations, boundaries, time, uh, certain sequences. And so time fits into this category. It's something that is very structural, it's very set and moves forward. Our ability to interpret it, our ability to create and establish that is very difficult. And it manifests in two ways in particular. So I think the way it manifests mostly is around time estimation, right? How long something will take. And I think that I think both of us agree on this is that most of us with ADHD will underestimate how long something will take. Yeah. And so, right, we... We look at a task and we again approach it thinking it's going to be a certain way last week you were talking about the remodel right the remodeling of the two bathrooms and starting with okay i've got to get a designer i need to get a contractor but then that estimation of how long it's going to take it often we will lowball that or we'll just sort of think okay it's going to take a certain amount of time. And we don't allow for time expansion, which typically most tasks will do, especially if they have a certain amount of complexity. And that's another thing is we kind of identify it and then we don't let that container expand to sort of catch up with the reality of the situation of how long it will actually take. So underestimating how long something will take matched with this overestimation of how much time we have. Yeah. Would you agree? It's like, those are the two things that are at work that kind of trip us up with respect to ADHD and time. This underestimation of how long something's going to take and this overestimation of how much time we have.
0: Absolutely. There's often a belief with my clients and with myself that I have time next week or tomorrow, right? I have plenty of time until I don't. I struggle to get out the door on time. I'm actually usually on time for things because I estimate in my head a departure time 15 minutes before I actually need to depart. That's my trick for that, right? Because I know that I'm going to underestimate how much time it's going to take to do the little tasks that it takes for me to get out the door.
1: Right, and that's <clears throat> that's another piece is that Related to time and all that, estimation is we don't see and we don't appreciate transitions. Yeah. We see the task, but we don't see the little things, as you said, or we think those little things are going to be, you know, they're just, there's no, they're not going to be any hiccups in our day. Right. I just was thinking back as, as, as I was thinking about this podcast around time, I just recall a time when. After college, I lived in Baltimore, but basically my social center was in DC. And so, in my head, since I would go home and, and come back to school, it was 50 minutes from my house to my dorm room or my, the house I was living in in College Park, right? Which is on the close side, uh, uh, northeast side of, of DC. 50 minutes. That became my Amount of time that it took me to get anywhere, <laughs> anywhere in the in the Metro DC area, whether it was my friend's house in Capitol Hill, someone was dating down in uh, Alexandria, right or Potomac, it didn't matter. It was always fifty minutes, and I look back in that, was, that's absurd, that's <laughs> like completely absurd that I would think, and and then, you know, and I and then oh well, what happens? I'm always late always late the thing is is i think that when you start to appreciate time and your own experience with it you can find ways to see it as an ally right if i was late and and by the way here's the other thing um I, again coming back to hyper focus and how we need time to work for us i think that you know if we're a writer if we're an artist if we're someone who is a creative, it's that it is, has to do a deep creative process, and and that's our gig, right? It's like generating content, and we can have big swaths of time to do that. We can enjoy that, but many of us don't have that luxury, right? That we've got places to be, we have obligations to meet. If I was ten minutes late, to my clients, appointments, where they're hiring me as an ADHD coach to help them with time management, among other things. That would be a bad thing, Shelly. That wouldn't be a good thing. So I had to figure out, uh, likewise for you, in the sense of how do I meet my obligations and make these, again, meet the obligation and then shift and do something else, right? hit something on my task list, and kind of like navigate time through the day, so it works for me. Again, the, as you're listening to this, and as we talk about this, don't just sort of try to do what we say. Consider your own experience. Are you an artist where you do need those big swaths of time to develop and create? Or do you have marks that you've got to hit? It's another interesting thing that happens that when we don't hit those marks, people can be really brutally judgmental when we are late. Again, fill in the blank with the sense of, well, they must not care, right? They're not dedicated. And rarely does it come into play that there's some kind of cognitive challenge that is happening. So people can be extremely unforgiving when it comes to this. And this is why time is so important.
0: Yeah. And I want to back up for a second and talk about those obligations and the various ways that they can mess with us and mess with our clients, right? And this is pretty universal, whether you're in a traditional workplace and those obligations are things like meetings, right? Or you're self-employed and it's client appointments. So those obligations tend to mess my clients up in a couple of different interesting ways, right? Number one, it can be really hard to transition in and out of obligation, right? This is one that I struggle with, Cam. So if I have an hour break between my coaching clients, I really struggle to activate on something else because I want a little downtime, right? I want a breather. And then by the time I've had that, I feel like I don't have enough time to do anything worth doing, right? So even two hours, right? Sort of that time between obligations. It's like I'm anticipating the next obligation and the transition. And it's difficult for me to add transitions to that, right?
1: Right. And this is what we were talking about with respect to how it can manifest differently for different people. Yeah right i cherish an hour between two clients or two appointments because that provides a useful structure for me right there is a block of time that i can do a little sprint and okay. i appreciate that whereas for you in that situation it's you tell me it's it's not it's it's really a, wanting that downtime and desire for downtime between those two appointments?
0: It's that, and it's much better for me to chunk things together, right? So if I can group my clients closely together and give myself a larger period of time in my day somewhere else to work on administrative things, I do much better, right? To me, administrative things are kind of a category, Client work is kind of a category. And then creative work is kind of a category. So the other thing I do is I coach heavy Monday through Wednesday. And I reserve Thursdays for the couple of in person clients that I still see. And Fridays are my day to have that swath of time because I cannot activate on a creative task if I have less than three hours. And that's things like developing new presentations, right? developing written material, website work, right? I did the website for the podcast. I did the website for my business. I find it very hard to do those things in small chunks because I find once I've hit my stride, the task becomes much easier, right? It starts to... The pieces start to come together. And if I have to transition away from that, it's almost hard for me to gain that not necessarily even momentum, but it's like a rebuilding process. I have to remember all of the connections that my brain previously made and where I was when I was in that flow state. And it can be hard to get that back.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that um, it, it reminds me of this this last week. So I, I was finishing up teaching a class and um, I have some final assessments to evaluate and get back to the students and my partner had she did her part handed them off to me and it was it was very similar to that is that in my mind i had to give myself a large block of time in order to just start and get into it and i really appreciate what you just said there is that as you get into it it changes for you right You re-familiarize yourself with the process, with the work, and it becomes easier. And what happened for me was we had a snow day. And it was my day when uh, I cover the kids and my wife goes to work. And so it disrupted that ability to have that big chunk, but I was still able to have a big enough chunk to get going. And once I did, then I could fit in these assessments through the week. And chip away, right? Recognizing it, getting to in a, in a sense of flow with the work. But back to you know when you were saying you have your clients early in the week, I find that I like to spread mine out over the week because it provides uh, what the term I use is uh, code hook, right? As I said, it's hard for us to create structures, and so. I will have my clients at set times over the days, mostly on on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, a couple on Friday, but they provide a structure to work around, right? For me, it's that when I have a a client at a certain time, like this morning, I had a client and then we, we were doing this podcast and I had about an hour and a half before that And it was just a great little window of time to knock out some 20 minute activities, right? To prepare for my class later today, uh, to do a little social media for this podcast, uh, to check in with some clients, right? Identify those shorter things. Um, Like you said, a big project, I, I do appreciate a larger period of time, but I can't afford that all the time. And I think that many of our listeners, unfortunately, can't afford that, right? They, they don't have, if they have to go to work, they don't have that ability to, to tell their colleagues, oh, you know what, I'm, I need four hours, Yeah. right? When you're in a, a work environment and there's multiple expectations and obligations to the day and, oh, don't get me started about meetings, many of my clients they're in organizations where this someone else can just put you they have access to your calendar and just can take your time I think that's the one of the most <laughs> egregious uh, of uh happenings in in the in the last fifteen years with respect to technology and th- that you can just be whoop, you know someone else decides what you are doing with your day and so how do you guard your time, right? Do you see how time is so related to? It, it's so much interconnected with all these other areas, right? It's related to boundary management. It's it's defending your time, right? Because no one will defend it but you. Yeah. Uh, no one will protect it but you. Uh, just like no one will get those Q2s done or want to see those done other than you. You've got to be the champion of that.
0: People will take as much of your time as you're willing to give them. And that's a universal challenge, not just an ADHD challenge. I do a lot of presenting on time management and productivity in workplaces. And I inevitably get the question of, what do I do when I'm interrupted all the time? And I love it when I get that question, by the way. Because I love to say back, how many people in this room, usually I'm speaking to a work team, right? So these people work together, feel like they're interrupted all the time. Every hand goes up, right? If you feel like you're being interrupted all the time, then chances are the rest of your team feels like they're being interrupted all the time. And that is like the culture of the workplace. It's insanity. I don't know. I don't know how people in corporations ever actually get anything done, to be honest.
1: Right. Or, or anything of real meaning. Yeah. So this again, back to perception of time and protecting time and, and starting to consider your relationship with time. So if, if our experience is that time passes slowly or, or time passes quickly, there's another piece that you you want to be aware of and and check check in on this, right? And that is your value of time. My guess, since your perception of time is different, considering how you're showing up, right? If you're in a hyper-focused state, if you have a high level of interest um, or you have no deadlines, um, there's nothing due till next Thursday. uh, What we tend to do is we tend to change our value of time when we have lots of time we will wholesale it right and 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 shelly you just said something in the sense of we will give away time right we don't see it as the thing the valuable thing that it is and if we don't have any impending deadlines if we sort of have an open calendar then we can just give it away and if you're giving it away often it's in the q3 quadrant, right? It's someone else's urgent matter and it's not relevant to us.
0: Yeah. I think Q4 comes into play here too. And there's Mm. a really important distinction that I like to make with Q4. So Q4 is your not urgent, not important, your time wasters. Now here's the distinction that I like to make with Q4. Hobbies, things that enrich you, things that are maybe not productive, but are constructive in some way, right? Because they're providing self-care, they're providing well-being, that sort of thing. Those are not Q4, right? Even if it's just reading a fiction novel, right? That's not necessarily productive. But for me, it's constructive and that it's relaxing, right? It's good for my overall well-being. So it's something that I like to regularly make time for. So Q4 is the time sucks, is the stuff where you will never go back and be like, oh man, I'm glad I spent three hours scrolling through my Facebook timeline today or going down a YouTube rabbit hole, right?
1: And so, right, there's the recognizing what are the time sucks. And there's a distinction there. Right. If you're reading to avoid engaging, right, then it's no longer Q2. It becomes Q4. But yes, you know, if it's in the category of self-care and renewal, it definitely is Q2. And oh, by the way, it's really hard to make time for that because you can't respond to it. It's something that we have to create in our own day. Right? No one is going to make that happen but us. Going back to the, the our sense of time and how we value time is, we will give it away, and wholesale it. But when we have an impending deadline, uh, when we have a, a talk to give, when we have uh, you know something of a real consequence that's a, that needs to happen, the value of time skyrockets, right? And then we we you know we protect it, but. To notice your value of time and how it shifts through your day, through your week. When I started to really appreciate and make use of my time and get traction on my Q2s, was when I addressed this wildly volatile value of time and, and noticing that I would just give it away, wholesale it, and let these Q2s languish and then really just reserve time for the the absolute immediate, most urgent Q1s. But when I started to look at time and treat it as a kind of a a consistent value, which uh, I I think it is right. Time is something that is just there and we can see it as this enemy. We can see it as the thing that, you know, we don't understand Uh, we're always behind it. We have to catch up to it. We have to beat it. It just is. And if you can sort of start to turn it into an ally, and again, you don't have to do this alone. As I said, that one of the big pieces for me to make use of time was to actually make use of resources in other people, right? I realized that when I set an appointment with someone and set that obligation, that commitment, I wouldn't miss that. Right. And so setting that up again, provides that structure for me that I've got a meeting with Shelly or I've got a meeting with Ellen or I've got a meeting with Denslow and this is what I need to show up with. Well, then it provides a structure for getting things done, but, but it comes back to this appreciation of, my own experience with time.
0: Absolutely. And I love this notion of a consistent view of time because when we yo-yo back and forth between wholesaling and suddenly getting really defensive about time because we're in a time crunch, yeah, we're not being consistent, right? And we may not be showing up when we need to be showing up. You know, if I have to... Tell my family, don't bother me for three days because I let a, I let a deadline get too close and now I don't have time for anything else, right? Leave me alone. That doesn't feel good. It feels terrible. It feels terrible to have to wall myself off in that way, right? Whereas with a more consistent approach, I'm recognizing that I have the time now. And if I use the time now, and this is something I really like to do, I like to think about future Shelly when I'm struggling to activate on something that maybe has a long deadline or has no deadline, right? What will this do for future Shelly? Future Shelly is going to be really happy if she doesn't have to crunch at the last minute on this. She's going to be ecstatic that she got ahead of the curve and got this going, right? And it's always true. So there's a reinforcement there too, right? You start to see... I I have one client that refers to it as interest in dividends, right? She thinks of her time much like investing money, right? right? Because money is also a finite resource. But if I invest my extra time, the time that isn't already obligated to something, or that isn't devoted to those Q1 things, or that isn't devoted to the daily stuff of life that we all have to do, right? If I invest that today, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off in interest and in dividends tomorrow, or next week, or next month.
1: I'm reminded of an old client, past client, who, uh, again, it, it was recognizing that you know, others were able to put him into a meeting. And in part because when he looked at his calendar, all he saw were his obligations. It's like, again, it's a very natural thing to do. It's sort of like, what do I have this week? You look at your calendar, and what he saw was the meetings he had to go to, the appointments that he had. And, and that was his construct of time and when he started to realize that okay the things that were on his list that were often languishing on his list were not going to happen during these times right they weren't going to happen during a meeting they weren't going to be happen with an internal meeting or a client meeting and recognizing it was he called it white space He was like, you know what? There's not a lot of white space in my calendar. And so how can I expect to do anything when my calendar has no white space? So this appreciation of time for us and our things on our list. And he started to protect that or or create that space and then protect it. And when he simply just in the calendar said, He used his code, you know, it was like, you know, meet with client X, right? Uh, Or I can't remember what it was, but it was like code to himself of his own time. And that's, that's fair. You could do that. But once he blocked that off, people saw that and realized, you know, they couldn't put an appointment there. They couldn't take his time from that because it was already committed. And establishing these periods of time. And and again, it doesn't matter how you slice or dice it, right? As with Shelly, she appreciates three, four hour blocks. Right? It can be that. For me, I like a one-hour block because again, like the writing process for me, I can do 30 minutes and then I'm just done. Right. It's just, it's a big expenditure for me. And I'm gonna get in, put some thoughts down. I like to go away from it, let it percolate. And come back to it. You know, so for me, my little time chunks that I have, I'm that white space, it shows up in smaller p- pieces of time that is yeah. kind of held up. It's like a, a clothesline, right? It's held up by these structure points on either side, right? These obligations. But once you start to just appreciate that white space and then make a game of protecting it, I think here's another thing I'll say is that you'll get there and you won't necessarily make good use of that time. And that's understandable because it's open and it's creative and it's not urgent. And we invite you to just create the space and then allow for transition to move into that, right? For the first few times, it's not going to be wildly productive, because it's not urgent, right? It's not something that has to happen today. You're not going to be able to elicit the adrenaline response. and We talked about arc in a previous podcast. You may not elicit the hyperfocus in that moment, but you certainly can get into flow. And by the way, flow is not hyperfocus. There are two separate things that, again, we'll talk about at a different Uh, at a different podcast.
0: Yeah, I think we could do an entire episode around hyper-focus and flow, looking at both of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Um, Cam, I have a funny aside. I think you'll appreciate this. Thinking about your client's white space. So I have a business partner. She's a neurotypical. So she is a huge source of support for me, both in doing a lot of the things in our business that are not interesting to me, and that I have no desire to do, but in also providing structure. And one thing that she will do when she sees that I am getting overwhelmed, she won't even ask me, she'll just do it. She will go into my calendar before I over-obligate myself and don't leave time for the important things that are on my plate. And she will block off swaths of sanity time she just carte blanche, like you need to make sure that you protect some time because she knows that if I see those visual cues, as I'm booking my clients and booking other obligations, I will honor them. And I will remember, yes, I do need time because I've got important things outside of these obligations that also need my attention right now. And if I book up all my time, I'm going to go nuts, right? I'm going to end up working all weekend or working 12-hour days, either of which I really want to do.
1: And I think that this this is a good example of recognizing our own needs. Yeah. Right? What are our own needs uh, when it comes to work?
0: And going back to you and I, in some ways, we have different needs, right? You talking about having a client before recording the podcast this morning just hurts my brain. That's too much transition (laughs) for me. It's too much. it's, It's too much transition. So what I do on Monday mornings before we record is I listen to and edit the previous week's recording and get it ready to go because that is in the same space in my mind as recording the podcast. It's all podcast work. So Monday mornings, I do the social media, I do the editing, I do the show notes, and then I'm ready to sit down with you and record because it's all in the space of podcast. So it doesn't feel like I have to switch gears. Too much gear switching really, really messes me up.
1: Right. And, and it, it messes me up, too. I'm not a big gear switcher either. right? And I think, again, this is a way that ADD can manifest is you can, you can have that loose clutch and switch gears very quickly. Or you can't uh, or don't. And this goes back to executive function of that arcade claw game of grabbing something and we just want to hold it for a certain period of time, right? And grabbing and picking up and grabbing and picking up. I will say that my prep is actually more similar to yours than not. Because, again, the preparation for me is, it's not so much a a large chunk of time. It's really about integrating over the week. Again, recognizing what works for me. How do I utilize my strengths? So, last night I listened to our most recent episode, right? So, it would refresh like where we were talking, right? So, last week we talked about the, the six areas. So, last night I listened to that one. So, I was primed and ready to go for this one. This morning, and when I'm walking the dog, I'm listening to the one that just dropped, which is three episodes before. When I came in, over the weekend, I'm thinking about time. I've been thinking about time all week and sort of like, what are the elements that we want to share here? And for about 30 minutes this morning, I blocked that time, kind of set that time aside to really consider, okay, what are the key points that we want to make in this podcast today? So there was preparation and and funny thing, it was an unusual client call that happened and I wasn't really thinking about, again, the ramifications of it bumping right up against the podcast. So, (laughs) you know, again, i just got to, I got to own that, but I got ability to kind of just talk to that client, right? Kind of pivot and pivot back was easy because I just spoke with them at the end of last week. So really fascinating stuff here with respect to time. We're not done with time.
0: No, we'll never be done with time.
1: Yeah. So, so thinking about our process of understanding, owning and translating here is starting to, to develop an awareness of your relationship with time, right? How do you treat it? Is it, is it an ally? Is it not an ally? is it the enemy is it something you're trying to conquer and starting to you know we've talked about reframing to kind of reframe your own relationship with time to start to see it as an ally um, and to start to start to consider a consistent value for time by the way and, and some of you might be cringing at that, like, you know, that sounds neurotypical, Cam, and you're trying to make me into a neurotypical. No, absolutely not. Again, back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast is, if you have an opportunity to have giant swaths of creative time and do deep dives into work, then you go for it, right? It's really determining your situation, what your situation calls for right? The environment that you work in, that you can be successful in that environment and you're meeting your own specific needs with respect to being efficient and productive with respect to time. That's, that's what I got.
0: Yeah, Cam, I think that's a great summary. And you're absolutely right that for our clients and our listeners that are in traditional workplaces and that have factors out of their control as relates right. to time, right? It's developing that awareness and leveraging it to the point that you can, right? And then learning how to mitigate the challenges that you don't have a lot of control over, right? Right. If you work in a traditional workplace, you will have some obligations on your time. But which ones our actual obligations and which ones can maybe be mitigated like your client did, right? Just by not allowing that time to appear as free for someone to take.
1: Right. Right. And I think that, again, a podcast, an an episode around time and, uh, and the office, you know, and sort of working within a team where, it's, it's, you know, how do you manage that? That might be a future episode or at least a part of a future episode.
0: Oh, that could be an entire future episode for sure. That, that's such a big topic and I have a lot of thoughts to share on that. Um, again, with my experience speaking and working with work teams, right? Right. Um, this is not just an ADHD challenge, but ADHD on board makes it more challenging and more impactful. All right, so it, next week, more time for more time. time. All right. In the meantime, if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, please consider leaving a rating or review wherever you listen. If you have feedback to share with us, we're on Twitter at translating ADHD or you can visit the website translatingADhd.com and shoot us an email via the contact form. In the meantime, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.